0: Let's take our Bibles this this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. And we're just going to read verse 27 and then we'll open in a word of prayer. Genesis 49 and verse 27 says, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we are very thankful, Lord, that we can come together and take time to uh, consider your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us understanding of the, the passage before us this morning, that you would Uh, Teach us, instruct us through your word, Uh, refresh us Lord as only you can. Lord I pray this morning you would uh, empower me through the spirit, give me wisdom and guidance as I speak that it would indeed be your words this morning, it would be your thoughts and Lord I pray that we would uh, leave this place singing your praises and giving all glory and honour unto your name and we pray these things in Jesus name, Amen. Now, of course, uh, we've been going through Genesis chapter 49 of late, and we've been looking at uh, each of Jacob's benedictions under his sons. And so in Genesis 49, he has uh, a benediction he gives to each of his sons. Uh, But these are more than just uh, his dying wishes unto them. These are prophetic words from the Lord concerning the future of the tribe that would bear their name. And so we've been going through each of these, and this morning we come to the last of these benedictions and it's under his youngest son Benjamin which you just read there in verse 27 now Benjamin's birth is recorded for us back in Genesis 35 so let's just go back there <coughs> this morning before anything else Genesis 35 <coughs> and just read for me uh, from verse 16 with me In Genesis 35 verse 16 this is, and they journeyed from Bethel, and it was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. And so here we have recorded for us the birth of Benjamin. Uh, We learn that Rachel, uh, she's giving birth to Benjamin. She gave birth to him just before she died. And as she lay dying, uh, her last act, if you like, is to name her newborn son. In verse 18, we're told that she calls him Benoni, which basically means the son of my pain or the son of my sorrow. And so it's a name that speaks of the sorrow, the, the pain that she felt under the circumstances not just physically, but also emotionally, knowing that she would never get to see Benjamin grow up, never get to spend time with him. You know, this would have been a very difficult name for any son to bear, wouldn't it? You know, Benoni, you know, the son of my pain. It's a difficult name for a son to grow up bearing. A name that would have been a perpetual reminder of his mother's death. And so Jacob wisely changes his name to Benjamin. Benjamin. The name Benjamin means the son of my right hand. And it's a name that speaks of him being dear and precious under the father. It's also a name that speaks of strength and honor. And the name becomes a prophetic word, okay, if you like. Uh, His name is prophetic concerning him because Benjamin, of course, ends up replacing Joseph in his father's affection. You know, when Joseph... Disappears for all those years, and Jacob believes he's dead. Benjamin becomes the one that is dear and precious under him, exactly as his name means. You know, and Jacob becomes very protective of him. Uh, for instance, in Genesis 42, and verse 4, when the rest of the sons were going down in, down to Egypt to buy grain, uh, Jacob refuses to let Benjamin go with them, and he says, Lest perventure mischief befall him." he's very protective of him benjamin becomes the son of his right hand he becomes very precious unto his father but the name also is prophetic of his position of honor and strength that he would have in the land of canaan the the tribe would have within the land of canaan in joshua chapter 18 verse 11 to 28 we have recorded for us the, the allotment of land that was given to benjamin And their allotment of land was between the two most dominant tribes. They were nestled between Judah and Ephraim. And so right in between was Benjamin. And included in Benjamin's territory was many important biblical cities. You know, the city of Jericho was in Benjamin's area. Bethel was there as well. Gibeon, Ramah and Mizpah. These are all important biblical cities throughout the Old Testament scriptures and they're all located in Benjamin's territory. But then also, most importantly, they had Jerusalem located in their territories. Well, go over to Joshua chapter 18 with me. <coughs> Just read verse 28. Joshua chapter 18. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 28 it says and Zilah and eleph and Jabusi, which is jerusalem gibeath and kerjath 14 cities with their villages this is the inheritance of the children of benjamin according to their families you know we often think that jerusalem was in Judah's territory don't we but it wasn't it was actually in benjamin's allotment of land and so benjamin had the honor of the city of Jerusalem the capital city being in their region which also meant that they had the temple in their region too didn't they the, the place of worshipping God the dwelling place of God amongst his people was in their region this is something that Moses prophesied about in Deuteronomy chapter 33 just go there with me we are going to turn to a few passages this morning so bear with me and try and keep up I suppose De- Deuteronomy chapter 33 <coughs> generally 33 and verse 12 this is moses he says and of benjamin he said the beloved of the lord shall dwell in safety by him and the lord shall cover him all the day long and he shall dwell between his shoulders and so here moses seems to prophesy of this very fact the, the fact that they would be privileged to dwell near to the lord okay near to his dwelling place the temple it's indeed a place of great privilege and honor. And so you can see how the name Benjamin is a prophecy concerning his, his life. He was precious and dear unto the Father, and he indeed ended up with a position of honor and strength within the land of Canaan. You know, here in our present verse, in Genesis 49 and verse 27, Jacob doesn't speak about any of these blessings, does he? He doesn't speak about any of these blessings at all for Benjamin. In fact, Jacob's words to Benjamin are surprisingly short and even strange considering the affection that Jacob had for him. All that Jacob says of him here in verse 27 is he says, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey and at night he shall divide the spoil. He simply likens him here to a wolf. The commentator Matthew Henry wrote this. He said, it is plain by this, that Jacob was guided in what he said by a spirit of prophecy and not by natural affection, else he would have spoken with more tenderness of his beloved son Benjamin. You know, these words here make it very clear that Jacob is not just simply saying what he wants to say. And we've talked about that all the way through Genesis chapter 49. He's giving the words of the Lord. It's a prophetic word from God. You know, in particular here with his words to Benjamin, it's very clear that he's being guided by the Spirit. This is not what we would expect him to say about this son that he loved so much, that he cared about so much. His words here are guided and directed by the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God who likens Benjamin to a wolf. And the wolf is a perfect summary of the character of the tribe of Benjamin down through the ages. It's a perfect summary, a perfect prophecy. Of this tribe throughout the ages. And so consider with me, first of all, here this morning, the meaning of this prophecy, the meaning of the prophecy here in verse 27. <coughs> Jacob starts out verse 27 by saying, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. Now, this is the fifth animal that Jacob has used to describe his sons. Uh, Judah was described as a lion, Issachar as is a strong donkey, Dan was described as a serpent, Naphtali as a deer, and now we see Benjamin, described as a wolf. And of course, with each of those animals, he was uh, speaking about their character, wasn't he? He was using the animal to depict the character of the son, and in, in particular, the tribe, that that son uh, would bear that son's name. And the same is true here when he describes Benjamin as a wolf. And the wolf was an animal known for its fierceness, isn't it? Okay, an animal known for its fierceness. And for this reason, the wolf is often used in the word of God to depict the character of wicked and cruel men in the scriptures. Now, for instance, go over with me to Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22 and verse 27 Ezekiel 22 verse 27 it says her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain here the prophet speaks about the princes the rulers of Israel and he describes them as being wolves ravening the prey because they were men who should have been protecting and leading God's people but instead they were cruel and vicious Praying upon God's people. They were cruel and vicious. They preyed upon the weak and the defenseless for their own personal gain. And so they were described as wolves for their cruelty, their wickedness. In Habakkuk chapter 1, we see the same thing concerning the Chaldean army. Just turn there. Habakkuk chapter 1. <clears throat> Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence, their faces shall sup up as the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. So here we see the Chaldean army described as wolves for their fierceness, their violence, the cruelty of this army as they came and, and attacked and took into captivity the people of the Lord. In the New Testament, we see the imagery of the wolf used to speak about false teachers. And their desire to destroy the work of god go to acts chapter 20 with me <clears throat> i say we're going to turn to quite a few passages this morning and i apologize for that acts chapter 20 <clears throat> and verse 28 it says take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the holy ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of god which hath he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speak perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. So in the New Testament, false teachers are described as wolves entering in, seeking to destroy the work of the Lord. So the point is that right throughout the Scriptures, the wolf is a metaphor for the for fierce. Uh, for cruel and destructive nature of men. That's really what the metaphor is. Okay, It's for the fierce, cruel and destructive nature of men. And even here in our present passage, it's this aspect of the wolf's nature that Jacob highlights, isn't it? He says that Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. The word, word raven there, it comes from a word that means to tear. And so basically Jacob declares that Benjamin shall tear his prey to pieces. You'll tear his prey to pieces like a wolf. And so it tells us something about the tribe. It, it tells us that the tribe is going to be fierce and brave warriors. That's the first thing it tells us. Okay, they're going to be very fierce in battle. They're going to be brave warriors. But at the same time, it also alludes to them being cruel and destructive. Okay, there's two aspects, isn't there? Okay, it speaks of their fierceness, their, their bravery in battle, but it also speaks of cruelty and a destructive nature the commentator morris writes this he says it was both a promise and a warning the tribe of benjamin would benjamin would be bold and strong successful in war but at the same time it might become cruel and voracious and so this seems to be both a promise okay of the fact that they would be brave mighty warriors and at the same time a warning that they could end up being cruel and destructive. Okay, it's a promise and a warning. And Jacob then adds to this, there in Genesis chapter 49 verse 27, he adds to this the words, In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. And so this speaks of the wolf's success in the hunt. Okay? They go out hunting in the morning, they catch their prey, and they devour it in the evening. It describes the success in the hunt and it, it characterizes the wolf's whole day. This is the wolf's life. They go out hunting, they enjoy their prey. And the commentator Barnes writes this, he says, Benjamin is described as a wolf who is engaged morning and evening, that is, all day long, in hunting after the prey. And so these words speak of the wolf's whole day, morning and evening, spent engaged in hunting and then in devouring their prey. And so when we apply these words to Benjamin, it tells us of the fact that this tribe will be characterized by the wolf right throughout their history. Okay, from the morning of their history until the evening of their history. This will be their character. One commentator said this, he said, Compared to a wolf's activity throughout the day, Benjamin's ferocity will be evident throughout Israel's recorded history. Many ferocious Benjamites are recorded from the earliest period of Israel's history to the latest period. And So with all this in mind, let's now consider how this prophecy is fulfilled. Okay, it's a prophetic word that's both a promise and also a warning. So let's now look secondly at how this prophecy is fulfilled in Benjamin's history. Now as we look throughout their history, look through the, the word of God, we see this nature of the wolf revealed in many different men and women right throughout Benjamin's history. With some of them it's revealed the, sorry this fierce, this bold, courageous nature is a positive. It's a good thing. They use it to bring glory and honor unto the Lord. But then with others this nature manifests itself in cruelty and wickedness just as this prophecy declares. Okay? For some it's a, it's a promise. For others it's a warning okay and so as we look through the history we see both aspects of this the very first example that we have of this bold courageous warlike nature is the man Ehud the story of Ehud is found for us in Judges chapter 3 you can turn there we won't read all of it <clears throat> Judges chapter 3 <clears throat> Judges chapter 3, the story begins much as many of the stories in Judges begin with the people doing that which is right in their own eyes. They've turned away from the Lord. And so now the Lord allows them to go into uh, being oppressed by the enemy. They find themselves oppressed at this time by the Moabites. And they cry unto the Lord in verse 15, And the Lord God raises up Ehud, the son of Gerah, a Benjamite. So he raises up this man, Ehud, as the deliverer. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's God's chosen tool. And he demonstrates great courage and also ferocity as he single-handedly assassinates the king of Moab. Just read with me from verse 16. Judges chapter 3, verse 16, it says, But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment on his right thigh, And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. But he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king, who said, keep silence. And all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehi came unto him, and he was sitting in a summer parlour. Which he had for himself alone and he had said i have a message from god unto thee and he arose out of his seat and he had put forth his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly and the half also went in after the blade and the fat closed upon the blade so that he could not draw out uh, sorry draw the dagger out of his belly and the dirt came out then he had went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them we see Ehud, we see his fierceness, don't we? We see his bravery. Now he goes in all on his own to assassinate the, the king of Moab at the instructions of the Lord. And after he assassinates the king, he then proceeds to call an army together and he leads them in battle against the Moabites. And the result is that Israel is delivered from the Moabites and they have 80 years of peace, 80 years of rest because of Ehud and his courage his boldness in the face of the enemy so Ehad is an example of how this fierce nature this wolf nature was a positive he used it for the glory of god but you know not long after this we see the fierce nature once more manifest itself in the very opposite we see it manifest itself in a destructive manner a cruel manner we see it used against the lord Instead of bringing glory to God, it brings shame and reproach. And this time it's by the whole tribe. The tribe as a whole this time manifests this nature. And it's seen in the sad events of Judges chapter 19 and Judges chapter 20. Where the tribe of Benjamin is at the center of a devastating civil war. Now we're not going to read it all, but Judges chapter 19. Let me Turn over there. I'm not going to read it. I'll just summarize Judges 19 for you this morning. Judges 19 records for us the, the brutality of the men of Gibeah. Now, Gibeah was a city that belonged to Benjamin, okay? and so the people in the city are from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, I so say we don't have time to read the whole passage, but to summarize this horrible story, certain wicked men in the city uh, took a young woman who was the concubine of a Levi, they brutally raped her, and they left her for dead on the doorstep. And this Levite had simply come into the city seeking lodging for the night. He come in peacefully, seeking a place to stay, and they treated him and his concubine like this, and left her for dead. And in these men, we see the fierceness of the tribe, don't we? We see the the cruelty here. The wolf nature manifests itself in a very ungodly way. Their cruelty, their brutality, their wickedness. And when the rest of the tribes hear of what they've done, they gather together against the city of Gibeah and they seek to bring these men to justice just go to chapter 20 with me Judges chapter 20 and verse 11 judges 20 verse 11 it says so all the men of Israel were gathered against the city knit together as one man and the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin saying what wickedness is this that is done among you Now, therefore deliver us the men the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. The children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities under Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. Here we see how the tribes come up. They, they're seeking to bring these men to justice for their crime, their wickedness. But the tribe of Benjamin refused to hand them over. Instead, they gathered themselves together against their brethren in a civil war. You know, as you read this story here, the tribe of Benjamin is greatly outnumbered. Greatly outnumbered. They only have 26,000 men. While the army that the other tribes have is 400,000 men. They're completely outnumbered. And yet despite this, because of their wolf nature, their ferocity, their, their bravery in battle... They go out against their brethren and they actually win the first two days of battle. They kill 40,000 of their brethren. But on the third day, Benjamin is defeated and they're nearly wiped out as a tribe. Just read me verse 46 of chapter 20 there. Verse 46 says, So that all which fell that day of Benjamin were 20 and 5,000 men that drew the sword. All these were men of valor. And six hundred men turned and fled to the wilderness under the rock Rimon, and abode in the rock Rimon four months. And the men of Israel turned again upon the children of Benjamin, and smote them with the edge of the sword, as well as the men of every city, as the beast, and all that came to hand. Also, they set on fire all the cities that they came to. We read that the tribe is basically wiped out. Six hundred men are left. That's it. You know, they kept on fighting. Right to the end, this is the the ferocious nature of the tribe, their boldness in the face of battle. Even though they were greatly outnumbered, they kept fighting on. But, you know, sadly here on this occasion, this was not a fight that brought glory to God, was it? This was not a fight that honored the Lord at all. Yes, they were fierce, they were brave in battle, but they were defending wicked, sinful men. They were working against the Lord. They should have handed these men over for justice. But even still we yet again see their fierce nature. This time manifested in an ungodly way. Now their wolf nature is yet again manifested in Israel's very first king. King Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Saul demonstrated this fierce nature right throughout his reign. You know sometimes it was for good wasn't it? Now particularly at the start of his reign it was used for good. He he brought glory to God with this nature. Now for instance in 1 Samuel chapter 11. We can turn over there. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, we read of the town of Jabesh-Gilead. And they're besieged by the Ammonites and they seek for help. 1 Samuel chapter 11. I just want to read from verse 1. 1 Samuel 11 verse 1, it says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh-Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said unto Naash, make, make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Naash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes, and lay it for reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messages unto all the coasts of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee then came the messages of gibeah of sorry the messages to gibeah of saul and told the tidings and the ears of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and wept and so here we read of jabesh gilead they're besieged by the ammonites and they're given this you know this horrible condition you know we'll make peace with you if you do this you know let us cut out your right eye and they say give us days to to send out messages and seek for help and so they send out all these men Send out word throughout Israel, ask him for help. And Saul hears of their condition, their, their situation. And in verse 6 and 7, we read of his response. We'll start in verse 5. It says, And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings. And his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the hosts of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, "Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done under his oxen." And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. So here we see, you know, Saul's response, don't we? You know, he hears this and he is angered by it. The spirit of the Lord is upon him; he's filled with righteous anger. And he orders the people to gather together. And he threatens them. He says, if you don't come, I'll punish you. He basically says, come or else. The people respond. They come under his leadership and he goes out. And under his leadership, they wipe out the Ammonite army. They have a great victory. A resounding victory under his leadership. Saul shows here fierceness, bravery, courage as a leader for the people. You know, this characterized a lot of his early reign. Just turn quickly to chapter fourteen there of First Samuel. <clears throat> chapter fourteen, in First Samuel and verse forty-seven. <clears throat> it says, So Saul took the kingdom over Israel and fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, and against the children of Ammon, and against Edom, and against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. And whithersoever he turned himself, he vexed them. Now this describes his early reign. He, he was a courageous leader. He led the people in battle on every side against all their enemies. He was bold, he was courageous, he was successful in war. He was like a wolf, ravening the prey. But you know, Saul also showed the cruel and destructive nature of the wolf, too, didn't he? You know, he on more than one occasion sought to kill young David. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 19, in his rage, he picked up the javelin and he threw it at David, only just missing him. And David had to flee, get out of his presence. And Of course, from that point on, Saul Saul was continually hunting David, wasn't he? David was on the run for years. And Saul was hunting him like a wolf seeking the prey. We see also his brutality in 1 Samuel 22. As he ordered everyone in the city of Nob to be slaughtered simply because they helped David. Just turn over there, first Samuel twenty two. <clears throat> first Samuel twenty two, verse <clears throat> sixteen. <clears throat> says and the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house and the king said unto the footmen that stood about him turn and slay the priests of the Lord because their hand also is with David and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priests of the Lord and the king said uh, to Doeg turn thou and fall upon the priests and Doeg the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priests and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod and Nob the city of the priests smote he with the edge of the sword both men and women children and sucklings and axen and os- oxen sorry and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword you know, here we see Saul's brutality don't we his cruelty he wipes out the city of Nob simply because they helped David so in King Saul we see both aspects of the wolf in his life don't we You know, at the start of his reign, he was a fierce, courageous warrior. But then towards the end, he was cruel and destructive. You know, we could continue on reading throughout the Old Testament. And we could read of more men from the tribe of Benjamin who exhibited this same nature. You know, for instance, there's Jonathan, Saul's son. He was a bold and courageous warrior, wasn't he? You know, on that one occasion, he went up with just his armor bearer to take on the Philistines on his own. We have Abner. Saul's cousin the commander of the army and he was known for his ferocity wasn't he at times he was using it for God's glory at other times he was very destructive and cruel you know there's also Esther and Mordecai they were from the tribe of Benjamin and they exhibited their boldness and courage and in doing so they were instrumental in saving God's people turning the tables against Haman and the others who hated the Jews once again their boldness their courage was this trait of the wolf, the trait of the Benjamite tribe. And so all throughout the Old Testament, we see this, this wolf trait evident in the tribe of Benjamin. Sometimes it's in a good way, bringing glory to God. At other times, it's cruel and destructive. You know, there's still one more famous example that we need to mention. And he fulfills both aspects of the wolf, and it's none other than the Apostle Paul. Go over to Romans chapter 11 with me. Romans chapter 11 and verse 1 says I say then hath God cast away his people God forbid for I am also an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin the apostle Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin you know, in his early years before salvation, Paul was certainly cruel and destructive, wasn't he? He was cruel and destructive. He was like a wolf preying upon all those who followed the Lord. One commentator said this, If ever there appeared on the human stage a prime example of a ferocious Benjamite wolf, it was this citizen of Tarshish, who had boasted so proudly of his Pharisaic membership, and his zeal and devotion to the traditions of his forefathers. His blind zeal was such that he attacked his own brethren who were following the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no better example, really, of this whole nature of the wolf than the Apostle Paul. You know, his vicious zeal is clearly evident from the following verses. Let's just go look at Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> <clears throat> Acts chapter 8 and verse 3 of course his name before he was saved was Saul it says there in verse 3 as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering into every house and haily men and women committed them to prison now we could read on in Acts chapter 9 verse 1 and 2 as well it says and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest's desired him letters to Damascus of the synagogues, uh, that if he found any of this way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. You know, Saul, as he was known for who saved, he hated believers, hated those who followed Christ, and in his cruelty he sought for any who followed the Lord. He sought to throw them into prison so they might await judgment and death. That was what it was what was waiting them, execution. And he delighted in seeing them You know, Paul himself would later testify of his vicious cruelty. In Acts chapter 22, just read with me, verse 4. This is his own uh, testimony. Acts chapter 22 and verse 4. He says, And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. He testifies himself of his... Cruel, vicious nature towards believers. We could read, you know, Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, it says the same thing. Before salvation, he was a cruel wolf preying upon all those who believed, all those who served the Lord. But of course, this all changed, didn't it? When the apostle Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he finally realized who it was that he was persecuting. You know, the Lord met him on that day. And Paul surrendered to the Lord. Paul got saved and God changed him. You know, the spirit came to live within. He was a changed man. He was a new man, new creature in Christ Jesus. But you know, his nature didn't change in the sense that he was still bold and courageous, wasn't he? He still had that wolf nature. But now Paul became bold and courageous in preaching the gospel, didn't he? He took his nature that he used against the Lord before salvation and now he used it for the Lord. He used it for God's glory. He became bold and courageous as a warrior for Christ. Yeah, he was still full of zeal, but now it was directed in serving God and bringing glory to His name. You know, Matthew Henry wrote this. He said, Blessed Paul was of this tribe, and he did in the morning of his day devour the prey as a persecutor. But in the evening he divided the spoil as a preacher. You know, Paul is a wonderful example of how God took his zeal, his fierceness, his boldness, his courage, and God redirected it to be an asset in the service of the Lord. You know, as we've seen this morning right throughout Israel's history, this prophecy is perfectly fulfilled, isn't it? This prophecy describing them as a wolf. Sometimes this nature revealed itself in a positive way, bringing glory to God. At other times, it worked against the Lord, destructive and cruel. You know, as we consider the tribe of Benjamin this morning, and we consider their nature, you know, the challenge for us really is to make sure that we use our temperament that God's given us, the gifts that God has given us, that we use them for His glory. We use them to honor Him here on this earth. You know, God needs wolves. People filled with zeal and courage, doesn't He? He needs people that are courageous for the gospel in his service today. The Lord also needs strong donkeys like Issachar, you know, willing to bear the burden. You know, bear the burden and and labor strong for the Lord. The Lord needs hinds let loose like Neftali, willing to carry the gospel message, go forth running with the message of the gospel. You see, like Jacob's sons, we all have different natures, don't we? And that's really what we've seen is we've gone through all of Jacob's sons here. They're all different. And the tribes coming from them are all going to be slightly different in their nature. And we're all different too. We all have a different nature. But God can and wants to use our nature to his glory, doesn't he? You know, he wants to take us. He wants to take those traits that make us who we are. And God wants to use that to further his work here on earth. We're all different, but together we make one body, don't we? We make one body. We make one spiritual building as we've seen in First Peter on Wednesday nights. And together we, we make the body perfect so that we can serve the Lord here on earth, function together. And so believers, may we this morning surrender our talents, our abilities, our character traits unto the Lord for him to use in his service and for his glory here on earth. Let's close in the word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, we thank you for Lord, the whole of chapter 49. And Lord, these prophetic words under each of Jacob's sons. And Lord, they all had different natures. And as we've seen this morning, Benjamin described as a wolf. Lord, at times he uh, used it for your glory. At other times, the tribe used it against you. And Lord, indeed, we are all different as well. We all have different natures. But Lord, may we surrender that nature to you today. May we surrender our traits, our gifts, our abilities unto you to use to further your gospel message here on earth. Lord, may you bless as we close. May we remember the truths of your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.